Welcome back to The Word Encounter, and this is episode 155. We are currently in the book of Ezekiel. We finished chapter 8 yesterday, so let's start off in chapter 9. And the section title says, A Vision of Slaughter in Jerusalem. It says in verse 1, Then he called loudly in my hearing, Come near, executioners of the city, each of you with a destructive weapon in his hand. So this is the Lord talking to Ezekiel. Remember, the Lord talks to Ezekiel in visions. The Lord talks to different people in different ways, but Ezekiel is one who seems to get visions or dreams from the Lord. It says in verse 2, And I saw six men coming from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with a war club in his hand. There was another man among them, clothed in linen, carrying writing equipment. They came and stood beside the, uh, the bronze altar. In verse three, it says, "Then the Lord of uh, then the Lord, excuse me then the glory of the God of Israel rose from above the cherub uh, where it had been to the threshold of the temple. He called to the man clothed in linen and carrying writing equipment, and he said, "Pass through the city of Jerusalem." The Lord said to him, "And put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the de- uh, detestable practices committed in it." In other words. The Lord is telling this man with the writing equipment to go through the city and look for the men that are despondent over the condition of the city. Those who look around and just are shaking their head, they just can't believe what they're witnessing, of the evilness and the wickedness that's going on in a daily basis and common practice amongst their citizens. And so the Lord is telling this guy to put a mark on them. It says in verse 5, he says he spoke to the others, to the, to the soldiers, the guys with the war clubs, uh, in my hearing. Pass through the city after him. So the Lord is telling those the other guys with the war clubs to pass after the guy with the writing equipment and start killing. Do not show pity or spare them. In verse 6, slaughter the old men, the young men, and women, as well as the children and older women, but do not come near anyone who has the mark. And so this is kind of like a Passover thing, if we call back in Moses' day, where he's putting a mark on the guys that are to be saved from this destruction because the Lord is not satisfied. You know, this sounds harsh, but, you know, the, these are the, um, the, the, the spoils of sin. This is what one gets. And so he just slaughtered the old and the young, the men and women and the children. That's the one that gets me. But, and then the next thing <clears throat> that he says is interesting. This is a principle here. The next thing he says is, begin at my sanctuary. See, in other places in the word, the Lord says, you know, that judgment will start in the house of God. In other words, judgment will start in my house. That's where first, uh, uh, that's the first place where I will render my judgment before I go out uh, and extend it beyond my house. But he's going to take care of his house first. And so the word says, so they began with the elders who were in front of the temple. And so the guys who were the, you know, evil prophets and other people uh, that were posing as uh, oracles of the Lord, those were the ones that got it first. In verse 8, it says, while they were killing, I was left alone, I being Ezekiel, I was left alone, and I fell face down and cried out, O Lord God, are you going to destroy the entire remnant of Israel when you pour out your wrath on Jerusalem? And so we have to remember, you know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and other prophets, these were their people. <clears throat> they, didn't, they knew that they had done wrong. They knew they had to pay for their sins. But when they witnessed it, it's another thing entirely. You know, it's like their heart is like, Lord, do, do you really have to do this? 
And then it says in verse 9, he answered me, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is extremely great. The land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity. Let me stop there for a second. And the city full of perversity. Wherever I go in this country, or for that matter, wherever I go anywhere, and I go to a lot of places, not just in the United States, there are places and sections where I see perversity, rampant perversity. <clears throat> it seems like righteousness reigns nowhere in those vicinities. <clears throat> perversity is something that God just cannot tolerate. And we need to take seriously with regard to what we allow to go on in our spheres of influence as far as geography is concerned. He's not playing. He says, and the city full of perversity, for they say the Lord has abandoned the land he does not see. <clears throat> in other words, they're saying, look, the Lord has vacated this place, so he doesn't see what we're doing, so we can do whatever we want to do. Obviously, they didn't know the Lord. Verse 10, it says, but as for me, I will not show pity or spare them. I will bring their conduct on their heads. <clears throat> Let's go into chapter 10. Now, chapter 10 is interesting. What I, what I would highly recommend that you do is you Google like um, Ezekiel 10 imagery, you know, or Ezekiel 10 illustrations or something like that. Because, you know, what's described in chapter 10, again, this is a vision. And Ezekiel is describing what he has seen. And I, I believe that when you look at pictures and see different depictions of what's going on, it kind of helps the understanding. I know it helps me. And so <clears throat> let's just get to it. Verse 1. Then I looked. Uh, well, the, the, the section heading says, God's glory leaves the temple. And then it says, then I looked, and there above the expanse over the heads of the cherubim was something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli. And so Ezekiel says, therefore, um, he said, then I looked, and, and there above the expanse, in other words, the expanse, the sky, <clears throat> excuse me, the sky. So he's saying above the sky, over the heads of the cherubim was something like a throne, right? So remember, the cherubim were these angelic creatures that were described as having wings having a, a face of an eagle, an oxen, and something else, and, and, you know, having wheels beneath it, you know, two sets of wheels uh, representing, uh, with eyes all around the uh, wheels representing, uh, you know, God is everywhere and sees everything. And so, <clears throat> and so this is what I'm saying. Google and see if you can get some images of what uh, some people think this may have looked like. And so, uh, so Ezekiel seeing a throne above these angelic creatures. It says in verse two, the Lord spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, go inside the wheel work beneath the cherubim, fill your hands with blazing, blazing coals from above, excuse me, from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city. So he went in as I watched. And so the Lord told him to go to the wheels of the cherubim, this man in linen. And so these, these wheels were beneath, you know, where the angelic creatures were, were. And um, he said, grab some blazing coals out of there and then scatter them among, uh, over the city. And so this is representative of God bringing judgment on the city as this man in linen is scattering these blazing coals over the city. And Ezekiel said, he watched him do this. And then it says in verse four, then the glory of the Lord rose above the cherub to the threshold of the temple. The temple was filled with with the cloud, and the court and the court was filled with brightness, with the brightness of the Lord's glory. And so, 
It says his, uh, the Lord's presence rose above the cherubim, okay, to fill the threshold of the temple. And so, the, and then, so when the Lord vacated the temple, then the, the temple was filled with cloud or smoke, and then, <clears throat> and then the glory of the Lord filled the courtyard of the temple. And then uh, let's go to verse 18, I believe it is. And it says, then the glory of the Lord moved away from the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. And so <clears throat> the Lord's uh, presence and his glory was in front of the temple door, if you will. Then it went above the cherubim. This symbolizes the Lord is moving out, has moved out and is moving on from the temple. See, he's removing his presence from the temple. Then it says in verse 19, the cherubim uh, lifted their wings and ascended from the earth right before my eyes. And so this is symbolic of the Lord leaving the temple. The cherubim, you know, he's above the cherubim and they're rising above the temple. <clears throat> the wheels were beside them as they went. The glory of the Lord, um, excuse me, the glory of the God of Israel was above them. And it stopped at the entrance of the eastern gate of the Lord's house. And so they were leaving the temple building, but it stopped at the gate to the courtyard is what I'm assuming here. And so it had to take, I guess he had to take care of some business there. Let's go into chapter 11. <clears throat> it says, vision of Israel's corrupt leaders. In verse one, it says, the spirit then lifted me up and brought me to the Eastern gate of the Lord's house which faces east, and uh, at the gate's entrance were 25 men. So I believe this is the same place where the Lord's, uh, where, the, where the cherubim and the Lord's presence went, was over these 25 men. He says, among them I saw uh, Jehazi, Jehazi, excuse me, Jehazaniah, yeah. <laughs> among them I saw Jehazaniah and uh, Pelatiah, leaders of the people. The Lord said to me, son of man, these are the men who plot evil and give wicked advice in this city. And so we, we find here that, you know, the responsibility of leadership is huge. And leaders get judged more harshly than non-leaders. A lot of times people seek leadership because they're seeking the, the privilege and, and what they think goes along with being a leader. But you come under a much more, you come under greater scrutiny when you're a leader from the Lord. You know, because you are in a position of, of responsibility and influence and power, and you are to treat it accordingly. If you take advantage of it, if you wield it for your own uses, if you're not a just person, if you're not a righteous person, the Lord is going to judge you on a harsher uh, scale, period. Leadership is nothing to be played with. The Lord said to me, son of man, these are men who plot evil and give wicked advice in this city. They are saying, isn't the time near to build houses? Uh, the city is a pot and we are the meat. Now, the city is a pot and we are a meat. This is a saying. This is a phrase, if you will. And we're going to find out what that means. In verse four, therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, son of man. It says in verse seven, therefore, this is what the Lord God says. The slain you have put within it are the meat, and the city is the pot, but I will take you out of it. And so the Lord is saying that the slain, those that you've killed, I'm going to put in the pot. But as for you, I'm taking you out of the pot. Now, what does this pot represent? This pot is an iron pot that represent, uh, represents protection of what's inside of the pot. 
See, so the meat is inside of the pot, and so the pot is protecting the meat. And so the, the these leaders are thinking that they and their people are inside the pot, and nothing can happen to them. And so in verse eight it says, "You fear the sword, so I will bring the sword against you." This is the declaration of the Lord: I will take you out of the city, i.e., out of the pot and hand you over to foreigners. I will execute judgments against you. You will fall by the sword, and I will judge you at the border of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The city will not be a pot for you, and you will not be the meat within it. I judge you uh, at the border of Israel. So you will know that I am the Lord whose statutes you have not followed and whose ordinances you have not practiced. Then it says, instead, you have acted according to the ordinances of the nations around you. You listened to them, but you didn't listen to me. In verse 13, it says, now while I was prophesying, a Pelatiah died. <laughs> so this is Ezekiel saying, when I was prophesying this that the Lord told me, the other dude uh, that the Lord called out by name, he died. But this is Ezekiel's reaction. Then I fell face down and cried out loudly. O oh Lord God, you are bringing the remnant of Israel to an end. So again, we, we see that, uh, you know, some might react if they were in uh, Ezekiel's place. Well, good. He was evil. He should have gotten it. But that's not how Ezekiel reacted. He's like, Lord, what, what's going on? And so we can see that when the Lord chooses his prophets, he's not choosing people that are zealous for his vengeance to, uh, to come down. Not all of them, some of them, Noah, we'll get to Noah, you know. Uh, but these guys had hearts for their people. It says in verse 14, the word of the Lord came to me again, son of man. Um, oh, the section title says promise of Israel's restoration. Okay. Uh, the word of the Lord came to me again. It says, son of man, uh, your own relatives, those who you have right to, those who have the right to redeem your property, along with the entire house of Israel, all of them are those to whom the residents of Jerusalem have said, you are far from the Lord and this land has been given to us as a possession. So what the Lord is telling them is says, look, Ezekiel, you and your relatives and many in the house of Israel, it says, those dudes in Jerusalem, they're saying you're far from the Lord. Therefore, we are supposed to be the ones that own your property. <laughs> we own your stuff now. This is their perspective. In verse 16, it says, therefore say, so this is the Lord telling uh, Ezekiel what to say. Therefore say, this is what the Lord God says. Though I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries. Yet for a little while I have been, um, I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have uh, been sent. So the Lord is saying, look, you are right to say that these ones have been exiled and sent away. Yes, they have. But even though I scattered them amongst the nations, I have been there protecting them. See? And it says yet for a little while. See, he's been their sanctuary. And then it says in verse 17, therefore say, this is what the Lord God says. I will scatter you from the peoples and assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And so the Lord is telling Ezekiel to tell these remnant uh, citizens of Jerusalem, says, yes, I have sent, it, sent these people away, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to gather them and bring them back, and I will give them the land of Israel. So no, you don't own their stuff. 
It says in verse 18, when they arrived, when they arrived there, they will remove all its abhorrent acts and detestable practices from it. I will give them the integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, keep my ordinances and practice them. They will be my people and I will be their God. And so the Lord is saying, look, when I bring them back, I'm going to bring them back different. They're going to remove all the evilness that they find in Jerusalem when they come back. And I will give them a new spirit. I'll give them a soft, fleshy heart. It won't be hard. It won't be made of stone. They won't be evil people. They won't be trying to get over on others. They won't be trying to scam other people. They won't be trying to steal other people's stuff. They're going to be a righteous people. And then it says in verse 21, but as for those whose hearts pursue their desire for abhorrent acts and detestable practices, I will bring their conduct down on their own heads. This is the declaration of the Lord. So he's telling these people, you know, for those that that remnant that's left in Jerusalem, if they don't turn, if they don't start doing right, when my exiles come back, I'm going to bring the conduct on their own heads. This is the declaration of the Lord. The next section says, God's glory leaves Jerusalem. Then the cherubim with the wheels beside them lifted their wings, and the glory of God of Israel, of the God of Israel, was above them. The glory of the Lord rose up from within the city and stopped on the mountain east of the city. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to, um, brought me to Chaldea, to the exiles in a vision from the Spirit of God. And so in other words, it seems as though that God is in the Spirit is transporting uh, Ezekiel to Babylon to be amongst the exiles. <clears throat> Let's go on to chapter 12. And the title says, Ezekiel's, uh, Ezekiel dramatizes the exile. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, you are living among a rebellious house. They have eyes to see, but they do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear. For they are a rebellious house. They can see what I'm doing, and they can hear what I'm saying. But they can't see, and they can't hear. He says, I am showing them, but they are refusing to see, and they are refusing to hear. I'm not keeping it from them. It's out there for them to see. It's out there for them to hear. But they are deciding not to see and not to hear. In verse 3, now you, son of man, get your bags ready for the exile and go into exile in the sight, in their sight during the day. And so uh, God is having Ezekiel play out before the people how the exile is going to look. He says, you will go into exile from your place to another place while they watch. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. So he's playing this out. He's getting his stuff gathered. I guess he has his suitcases of the day and whatnot, and he's getting ready to, to leave and to, to show the people. I mean, they knew that Ezekiel was an oracle, a prophet of the Lord, and you know they knew that he spoke what the Lord showed them, and so they're witnessing what he's doing. And he's preparing. He's gathering stuff. He's, he's leaving. And he said, but they're a, rebellious they're a rebellious house, so maybe they, won't, maybe they won't get it. They should, but maybe they won't. And it says in verse 4, During the day, bring out your bags like an exile's bags while they look on. 
then in the evening go out to their sight like those going into exile. Excuse me, go out in their sight like those going into exile. You know, make sure, go in the daylight, make sure they see you. Verse 5, as they watch, dig through the wall. So you have a wall around the city. So they're saying dig through the wall and take the bags out through it. And while they look on, lift the bags to your shoulder and take them out in the dark. Cover your face so you cannot see the land. This is, symbol, uh, this is symbolic of never seeing Jerusalem again. For I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. And so Ezekiel does all this. Then in verse 8, it says, In the morning the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, hasn't the house of, hasn't the house of Israel, that rebellious house, asked you? What are you doing? And then he says in verse 10, Say to them, this is what the Lord God says. This pronouncement concerns the prince in Jerusalem and the whole house of Israel. He's talking about King Zedekiah. See, this pronouncement, what I've done, everything that I've done, everything that I've showed, you know, digging through the wall, crying, he says, this pronouncement concerns the prince in Jerusalem. See, he's saying that this is what he will do. And the whole house of Israel living there. It says in verse 11, it says, you are to say, I am a sign for you just as I have done. It will be done to you. It says, they will go into exile, into captivity. In verse 12, the prince who was among them will lift his bags to his shoulder in the dark and go out. King Zedekiah will, will lift his bags to his shoulder and go out. They will dig through the wall. King Zedekiah and his men will dig through the wall uh, to bring him out through it. He will cover his face so he cannot see the land with his eyes. Again, symbolic of never seeing Jerusalem again. In verse 13, but I will spread my net over him and he will be caught in my snare. Then it says, I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, yet he will not see it. See, remember, when, it, when, uh, when the Chaldeans captured him, they brought him to Riblah to um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and they gouged his eyes out. They blinded him. And so they're saying here that he will be taken to the Chaldeans. He was taken to Babylon and he will not, but he will not see it. He'll be taken there, but he won't be, he won't see it because he won't have any eyes and he will die there. Verse 14, it says, I will also scatter all the attendants who surround him and all the troops in every direction of the wind. And I will draw a sword to chase them. They will know that I am the Lord when I disperse them among the nations and scatter them among the countries. And so <clears throat> Obviously, uh, King Zedekiah has had his entourage, and now the Lord is saying, what's going to happen to this entourage? You know, after when they fled Jerusalem and they got overtaken by the Chaldeans, we know what happened to Zedekiah. He got bland, uh, blinded and then sent to Babylon to eventually die. But now we're talking about what's happening to the entourage. And then in verse 16, it says, but I will spare a few of them from the sword, uh, famine, and plague, so that among the nations where they go, so among the nations where I disperse them, he says, I'm going to spare a few of them so that among the nations where they go, they can tell about all their detestable practices. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to leave some survivors so that they can go testify with regard to what they've done. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Mm. Next section says a deceptive proverb stopped. Verse 21, again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. What is this proverb you people have heard or you people have about the land of Israel, which goes, the days keep passing by and every vision fails. 
So the Lord is questioning Ezekiel. He says, I'm hearing this saying, this proverb, the days keep passing by and every vision fails. What do they mean by that? Then it says in verse 23, therefore say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I will put a stop to this proverb and they will not use it again in Israel. But say to them, the days have arrived as well as uh, the fulfillment of every vision. And so the Lord is telling Ezekiel to tell the people, stop using that proverb and replace it with this. The days have arrived as well as the fulfillment of every vision. In other words, you're saying the days keep passing by and every vision fails. In other words, the days keep passing by, but nothing ever happens. You know, Ezekiel says this is going to happen, but nothing ever happens. Days keep coming and going and none of the stuff he says comes to pass. But the Lord is saying, no, 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 I'm putting the end to that. We're going to replace it with the days have arrived as well as the fulfillment of every vision. Verse 24, for there will be for there will no longer be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. In other words, I'm putting an end to the false prophecies, to the prophecies that tickle your ear, but don't tell you what I'm saying. It says in verse 25, but I, the Lord, will speak whatever message I will speak and it will be done. It will no longer be delayed for in your for in your days, rebellious house. I will speak a message and bring it to pass. Oh, so you think everything I say just goes by the wayside and nothing ever happens? Okay, we're going to fix that. He says, this is the declaration of the Lord God. <laughs> Ooh, we've been moving on. We are going to stop here in chapter 12. We're not going to get to chapter 13. We'll pick chapter 13 up tomorrow. And so... um be in Ezekiel 13 tomorrow and continue on with this. Excuse me, and remember that Jesus is just a confession away. Just a confession away. Us, I should say, is just a sincere confession away. You sincerely cry out to God, cry out to the Lord Jesus, confess him as Lord and Savior. And the word says that you shall be saved, not that you might be saved, not that you probably will be saved, but that you shall be saved, saved from death, eternal death and destruction, eligible for eternal life with the Lord. So with that, we'll pick this up tomorrow in chapter 13. Everybody take care. Bye-bye.